a historic and historic Bearded Cardcast. This is episode 10 of season 6. That's not why it's historic. For the first time ever, no number one seed making it to the Elite Eight. And you have a pretty solid core of mid-majors, minus Miami, going to the Final Four. It's going to be a lot of fun. And a good a good weekend for the mid-majors. Did you watch FAU in Kansas State Saturday? I did. Okay. Probably, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago, you and I both received a text message from a mutual friend. And this person asked what our interest was in going to Greensboro Saturday to see Bruce Springsteen <laughs> perform, yeah. right? Right. And I wondered yesterday yeah. how the concert went. Right. And I read about the set list. You and I yeah. are both Springsteen yes, fans. Yep. And it sounded like a great show. It sounded like a really fun show. And I couldn't help but think how miserable I would have been yeah. at the show. Right. When you were watching FAU in Kansas State, could you have imagined doing anything else? Um, well, I mean, I think if I had backstage passes and hanging out with the E Street Band, maybe that might have been fun. I just like, and I understand that this is more me than yeah. anyone else, that, that it, it's a personal thing, but. To me, the quality of the games, and I don't mean the players because there are no McDonald All-Americans sure. in the Final Four. I mean, what's up for grabs and the drama, and it's essentially free. You mm -hmm. pay your cable bill or your direct -T bill, right. V bill or whatever, so it's 100 bucks a month for the entire month. And now these games just come to me yeah. on my television screen. The idea of paying money to do anything else when I could sit on my couch and watch these games is mine. I, I just can't, I can't, yeah. I can't get there. Yeah. And, and especially this, I mean, of all weekends, uh, but particularly this weekend, it was uh, just thrilling, great finishes, you know, even like the, if, on Sunday. If I were to ask you the question, yeah. What is the difference between a great concert and a great sporting event? Hmm. What is the difference? I, I guess the, at the end of the day, you'd have to, uh, You'd have to boil it down to, depending on your passion. I mean, if it's your passion, you know, because there are some people that. Uh, do you know, like going to weddings? Uh, well, that's an interesting question. I do enjoy go going to weddings. Sometimes I enjoy going to weddings and then like the brunch the next morning. Sometimes that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside joke. I hate the brunch the next morning, but I also hate weddings. Well, yeah, I enjoy weddings. What do you What do you like about weddings? This can be a brief answer. Okay. Uh, I like uh, rocking out, man. Having fun on the dance floor. Okay. Here's yeah. why I don't like weddings. Okay. There's no drama. There's no drama. As soon as the invitation comes in the mail, I already know what is going right. to happen. At a concert, even if it's an artist that you absolutely love, yeah. You already know all of the songs. There might be some drama in That's how many more songs, songs or, are they going to play, yeah, gonna or play what order? Or what not? order are yeah. the Well, Rosalita was played. I knew yeah. you would have appreciated <laughs> that. Um, but there's no drama. I've been to I don't know eight or ten Springsteen shows. Each and every one of them, fantastic, great experience. But I don't know who's going to win. FAU in Kansas State. I don't know how the game is going to be played. The drama is not knowing the outcome. When you watch a television show, whether it be a sitcom or a drama, the first time you watch it, 
Do you get significantly more out of it than if it's a rerun and you're watching it for the second time? Um, I mean, I think it depends on the production um, and, and what you're looking for. I mean, if, if you're if it, I think for for people that are more artistic mind, maybe they're looking at different things, and, and you know, instead of like in a, you know, instead of in the Miami game yesterday, uh, you know, how they were hedging ball screens. I mean, the casual observer is not looking at I'm not going to watch Miami and Texas a second time. I saw it the first time and it was right. awesome. I have seen Hamilton in person twice. The first time was mind-blowing incredible. Yeah. And the second time was really good. But I want the drama of not knowing right. what's coming yeah, next. I see that. Yeah, I can see that. I, yeah. I don't watch the sitcom a second time. I already heard the jokes the first time. And while... I think Bruce Springsteen is freaking fantastic. I've been there and done that. And if he played tonight when there's no Sweet 16 or Elite Eight yeah. going on, You're in. I'm all in. All in. All in. But but the right. idea that you would spend your hard-earned money But now time, there are people. I mean, there's a there's an actual channel dedicated to the E Street Band on Sirius XM Radio. There are people that call into the, the call-in shows uh, a bunch. I mean, there are people that are as fanatical about that, and they're probably looking for different things than you and I would be in a Springsteen concert. I mean, there may be... Uh, you know, not to be, well, I mean, we joked about it because I cannot listen to the, uh, I'd say four out of five times I listen to <laughs> the Street Channel. Rosalita comes, there's nothing wrong with Rosalita. I love Rosalita. Uh, but that that's like the most, at least what, maybe it's just, I don't know, when I get in the car. But there are people that there's certain songs that they want to they wanna hear. But there's no drama. Well, there it's is great. Well, no, there's there and is it's drama brilliant. because you don't have the set list. You don't have the set list usually until after the, the concert. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't He's matter to you. <laughs> That's right. It doesn't matter to you. But I, 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 I hear what you're saying, but, you I, know. Did you watch San Diego State and Creighton? Who? I was, no, of course I did, yeah. I was yelling. I have no reason to cheer <laughs> for these teams. I'm standing up and applauding. I'm alone. I'm in my house. There's no one to applaud yeah. to. It's not a performance I tell you what, piece. I thought Gene Steratore did a great job. He did. Uh, coming in. He's great at that job. Well, and you know, because there was a lot of confusion, um, and it, it wasn't until he said it that I fully understood that uh, the clock operator didn't start the clock on time, and that's why they, yeah, they waved off that's the why game. the game yeah. ended. If you watched that game and did not think of Greg Marshall, hmm. you must not be either a Winthrop or a Wichita State right. fan. I, I texted Greg right after the game, and I said, Man, San Diego State plays just like you did. And he texted right back and goes, I was cheering so hard for them because that's them. That's Winthrop and that's Wichita State. And and they just had such a tight grip. Now, they couldn't throw the ball in the freaking ocean. Their offense is rough. But defensively, they just choke you off. It was really hard. I love watching them play. I loved FAU and every second of it. UConn is the surprise of the tournament. Not that they're good. No, but they're blowing people out. In a tournament where they Miami... Haven't had, they haven't had a rough game yet. Exactly. Miami's in the final four, and if Drake didn't choke in the final yeah. five minutes, Miami doesn't get out of the first round. San Diego State has played four tight, mm-hmm. hard-fought games, could have lost any of them. FAU, if Memphis is granted a timeout mm-hmm. in the final 30 seconds, maybe never gets to play FDU. Yeah. And here is UConn, and they've only beaten 
Rick Pitino, <laughs> yeah. Randy Bennett, yeah. Eric Musselman, yeah. and Mark Few. Right. And they've put their foot right. on each of those right. teams' throats. Right. They kept Musselman's shirt on. Wow. Not easy to do. Not easy to do. I, I mean, is it your opinion that we go to a Final Four? And like you mentioned, you got a couple of mid-majors, and the ACC wasn't very good this yeah. year. The ACC is a team. The SEC is done. The Big 12 is done. But is it your opinion that... Is Lewis and Maine calling you again? Yeah, this is the third call from 207-755-4500. And now, but now they're finally identified as a telemarketer. Oh. The first two. The first two now, now, if they call again, I think they'll be, they'll be upgraded to spam risk. Mm. Lewis and Maine's got your name. Lewis and Maine, you're on the air. Is that a Larry <laughs> Hello, King? Hello, Lewis and Maine. Larry King. Um, is it your opinion, though, we, we've got this really fun Final Four. It's going to be terrible for ratings. You're going to be able to walk in the door for 15 bucks. But is it your opinion that UConn is just a lot better than these teams? Uh, based on the body, I mean, past performance really isn't indicative of future uh, results, I guess, right? Or past results or future performance. But you would have to think, uh, you mentioned the coaching, the, the, the high-level teams that they, they got by. I would think it's. I mean, the odds reflect it, right? I mean, they're they're the odds. They're heavy, have favorite. heavy favorites, right? So, theoretically, each team should have a twenty five percent chance yeah. of winning the national right. title. That's right. UConn has more than a fifty percent mm-hmm. based on the betting odds. Yeah. We had this discussion last week. I said, "What was the more likely result? Two of Alabama mm. and Houston making the Final Four, mm. or none of yeah. Alabama and Houston yeah. making the Final Four? I don't think I fared well on that discussion. All right." I'm going to ask the question about UConn. Yeah. Would you take UConn or the field? Oh, I'd take UConn right now. Okay, I'd take the field. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think anyone... I, I mean, UConn's been the best team in the tournament. There's yeah. no question. They've, they've blown out right. four good teams. But I don't think... Oh, I'm getting a call from the uh, 585 and the 724 Ooh, wow. area code. You're I don't popular. think that's Lewis and Maine. <laughs> no, it's not Lewis. I'm pretty Lewis. sure they're both uh, yeah, spam yeah. callers. Um, Spamberg? Eric Spamberg's calling? That would not be a spam call. Um, I just don't think UConn, and they were one of the best teams in the country early in the year, and maybe they're now that team again. They're playing with confidence. And they're playing with confidence, and they're not playing the perceived best teams. There is no Houston. There is no Alabama. But it just seems to me we've had this year of no one has been number one for Mm -hmm. a long period of time, and there have been all these upsets, and why should they be that dramatic a favorite? Do we think that UConn has better players than Miami? Miami, who, if they win the story of the NCAA tournament, is NIL. Right. Well, I'm actually uh, rooting. Uh, I've gone to rooting for the University of Miami. The U. The U. That's you. Yeah, you know why? No. Because uh, Bensley Joseph hails from Arlington, Massachusetts. Interesting. The home of Pat Connaughton. San Diego State and UConn have guys that grew up in the same county that I grew up outside yeah. of but San Francisco. But he went Francisco. to my high school. Went to your high school. Until he went to, um, he went to somewhere else. A different high and school. Then he went to, no, he did two years at Arlington High, and then he did he finished up at Putnam Science Academy, which is surprising he didn't end up at Gardner-Webb. He ended up at Miami. Well, but. what's his NIL deal look like? <laughs> I don't know what his NIL looks like. But I'm, I root for guys from A-Town, so I uh, Miami. I think it's great. I, I just think this Final Four, but I don't think... I'm in the majority there. I think it's great that it's been chaos. I think it's great that we have these mid-major teams. I think it's great that it's been completely unpredictable. But 
I think from a TV rating standpoint, there's no Duke, there's no Kentucky, there's, there's no, no North blue, Carolina. Well, UConn sort of maybe kind of is a blue blood. Right, but when you look at last year's Final Four, Villanova had by far the yeah. smallest fan base. North right. Carolina, yeah. Duke, Villanova, sure. Kansas. Yeah. And Villanova and UConn are similar. Sure. And here we're talking about UConn right. being the big boy of right, the bunch. Right, with Miami and San Diego right. State. Miami, FAU. a private school Two that's teams. a football yeah. school. FAU, which just doesn't have a huge following. And San Diego State, which, I mean, the year that the pandemic canceled the tournament, they and Kansas were the two best were the, teams. Yeah, they were. And, and yeah. maybe they were going to go to the Final right. Four. Maybe they were going to win the national championship. I, I don't know. They do have a following and a fan base, but it's not a, a enormous, long, historic tradition like the teams that were in the Final Four last year. Yeah, it's been, um, but, the, you know, but they do benefit, I think, at least in their market, of not really having any. There's not outside the Padres. I, John I mean, Wilmer, who covers the Pac-12 yeah. very carefully, believes this puts San Diego State in the Pac-12. That this well, takes yeah. any doubt out sure. of it that the presidents can't possibly look at this and say, well, they're already in Southern California. We lost yeah. our two Southern California teams. Their basketball and football programs are at a level that would compete yeah. very competitively right. Right. with our teams. That This puts the, yeah. the hammer down on that. I would think that would be a. I mean, I already thought they were. Very I thought they logical. were already in too. I mean, that was kind of what the tea leaves were starting to look like. But that that could be the. What the did straw. you make of the foul call at the end of the game? The the foul call that sent Tremel to the line. He hit one out of two, and they won. I really liked the discussion um, afterwards because you, you kind of had perspectives. You know, uh, you know, I I probably fall in line with Jay Wright. Uh, I mean, it was a foul, and I think a foul you have to call at the end of the game. I think what Jay Wright's point was, um, the former Villanova coach won a national championship. Two. Uh, two national championships, but uh, maybe the most handsome man on in college basketball. Man, that suit he was wearing uh, terrific, yesterday. <laughs> terrific. Uh, and and was great when we talked to him uh, before uh, NCAA tournament uh, a couple years ago when Winthrop was in, played Villanova. But um, it, I think the coaches can have an argument that maybe – there was more contact that wasn't called throughout the game. So it wasn't maybe as consistent. Like some of the drivers were, were getting banged around a little bit. wasn't called. Uh, but to me at the end of the day, uh, and I think we have talked about this before. I, I don't, I mean, and I guess there is a threshold that you can swallow the whistle, but if, if it's a foul, it's a foul, uh, you know, and, and they're going to miss things. They're human. But I mean, to me, it looked like, uh, the shooter was displaced a little bit. Now, would he have short armed it anyway? Maybe, um, I, I think they got it right. I think they got it right too. And it's one of the weird examples of when they slow it down, it's not nearly as clear. Yeah. When I watched live, and again, I was cheering for San Diego State. Sure, sure. But I screamed, that's foul. Yeah. And then I said, that's the right call. Yeah. Because when you watch it not right. just millisecond yeah. by millisecond, but you watch right. it in full time. You're talking about a 175-pound guy yeah. who gets shoved in the right. midsection, yeah. and it's pretty clear. Yeah. Now, when you slow it down, it doesn't look like he's getting shoved really hard. It looks kind of like— But to I, me, it still, still looked like he got turned a little bit and kind of— I just—I mean, I weigh less than that guy, yeah. but not by a dramatic amount. If I'm— racing up court and turning my yeah. body and jumping. First of all, I'm probably going to end up in the hospital because that, that's not a good idea for me. But if you shove me, yeah. it's going to impact my shot. Right. 
the, the point of a foul is it adversely right. impacts sure. the shot. Yeah. I, I don't really think there's a debate. No. That's a foul. Yeah. I, I think they got it right. I think they got it right, too. Now, I must say, and I understand that he he missed the first free throw and he hit the second. Yeah. If he had made the first, I thought it was terrible coaching by Greg McDermott to have called that timeout before the first free throw. Mm-hmm. Because if he misses the second, you need the timeout to, to, to stop yeah. the action right. and to set up a play. Yeah. And I would have, in that situation, which didn't unfold... I would have tried to make the first, and then I would have missed the right. second intentionally. Sure. Can't stop the clock, so. I mean, I want guys trying to throw up heaves. Right. Not, yeah. no. I mean, the, the yeah. shot that, they, I mean, the play that they tried, it, they didn't get a shot up. But we've seen, you know, we, we saw it at a winter game this yeah. year, that Valpo the play, yeah. the Pacer play. How about Gonzaga's win over UCLA? And I know we've advanced past that. And I wonder if maybe that game took a lot out of Gonzaga. Yeah, maybe. The shot that Gonzaga, Gonzaga hit to win the game, I mean, we know Mark Few is a really, really good coach. I couldn't believe they ran that play. They, they, they took 12 seconds, 10 seconds to go in the game. You don't get the ball to Drew Timmy, maybe the yeah. best player in the country. You don't try to get into the paint. You settle for a 30-footer. Yeah. I mean, Julian yeah. Strother is a terrific player. He's going to be an NBA sure. player. I couldn't believe that's the play they ran. And, and how different would the narrative been if if UCLA had won that game? Yeah. I mean, Gonzaga gagged. Gonzaga <laughs> was up nine with a <laughs> yeah. minute to go. Yeah, that was crazy. And we, we've seen that a couple times. On Winter being on uh, the other end of that, being being the team that was down nine. Uh, yeah. So I just think it's been been a great. It's been tournament. a fun tournament. Been... I mean, if you like, it, it's a, it's unfortunate that you get to the, this point. And it's going to be brand shopping, right? I mean, there there are people that might tune out because North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, you know, UCLA, they aren't in it. But if you actually love college basketball, I mean, this is a college basketball junkies final four. Right. And I sent you an article either last night or this morning uh, that this I morning. found yeah. on, the on the ringer, ringer. Yeah. which is not a site that I go to all that frequently. Well, I, I thought, thought you would this... go for the succession talk. I, I didn't do that. Um, it was... Do you even know what succession is? It's a TV show. That's okay. what I know about it. Um, the, 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 the article tried to kind of take a bunch of the big upset yeah. teams that have made the final four or take big, big, made big runs in the NCAA tournament as 14. Well, the headline 15. is men's college basketball is in its upset era. Well, and, and the numbers do bear that out. Yeah. I mean, for a long time, 15 seeds never won. And no. now we've seen 15 seeds win three years in a row. Right, right. And we're seeing these teams, the 13s and 14s and 15s, advance yeah, further. Yeah. The first time than the 16 has beaten a one. Ever have before. Yeah. Right. 16s have now beaten ones twice. It didn't happen in whatever, 25 years. And now it's happened twice in five or six years. So, so th- th- that's clear. I mean, but why? And, and this article gives kind of five reasons for why, and a couple of them in particular, I thought were really, really interesting. The one that I liked the best, I think, was their teams that are doing something different. Different, like yeah. Fairly Dickinson pressing the full mm-hmm. game. And that was the same way that Stephen F. Austin beat mm-hmm. West Virginia a few years ago. Yeah. Billy Donovan used to say the great equalizer is the three-point shot. So a team that is taking just a tremendous volume of threes can make up yeah. that deficit in a way. And, and I thought that was interesting because 
there was the discussion in the article about Princeton, how when Princeton won with Pete Carrill, when they beat UCLA in 1996, they took the air out of the ball. They were running all those back doors. And the final score of the game was, whatever, 45-42 or something like that. And how this Princeton team is doing it completely different. But they're also doing it in a way that what they're doing is very unlike right. most teams. Right. And and what what your niche or niche is, you got to be elite at it. Absolutely. You have to be really good at it. And I for me it it was the uh, the continuity piece. I mean, and, and even looking at Fairleigh Dickinson, I mean, you know, but three of those guys came with Tobin Anderson, so they they'd already had that familiarity. That's why I think it's kind of exciting um if you're a Winthrop fan because, you know, Essentially, with a couple exceptions, I mean the whole the whole gang's coming back. Yeah, I I'm really really um, positive about where Winthrop yeah. is right now. Now, if you look at the uh, calendar, this is this is it's 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 still March. It's a little early. <laughs> it's a little it's early to be getting excited about November. But to have Michael Anumba yeah. and Chase Claxton right. and Kelton Telford right. and Casey Harrison, Harrison and Sincere Sincere McMahon, McMahon yeah. back, Xavier McKelvey. Xavier I mean, McKelvey, yeah. Man, you, I you're bringing back the core of your team, yeah. and you're going to add And you have the opportunity it. to add a couple of big pieces. Right, and the pieces you're going to add are going to be veteran yeah. guys. So yeah. they're not going to have the continuity, but your core group is going to. I mean, look at San Diego State. San Diego State is guys that have played together, yeah. that are older guys. You want to be old. There's definitely reasons for optimism. But can you, you've got the article up. Yeah, I do. Go ahead real quickly and just kind of summarize the, those four or kinda five. Kind of like the York County Natural Gas Keys to the game. Hold on one second. <laughs> to the Winthrop Sports Network news desk, Mike. All right, Dave, the York County Natural Gas Keys to the season for upsets by uh, mid-majors, the the first one is no one another, which is what we just talked about. It's having that familiarity, whether it's uh, you know having three four guys together or your whole team back. That's been a trend on teams that have have had upsets. It's it's been that continuity. This is what we, we talked about previous to that. Do something different and do it well. Um, and you you, you know you, you gave the example of um, you know Princeton when they beat UCLA. They Pete Carroll, who you know obviously they did a lot of the, the backdoor Princeton offense. But he also said, don't worry about offensive rebounding. Just get back and, and, and play defense. Um, and I thought that was interesting. And then um, Tobin Anderson, which I thought was also interesting, um, was that they knew that they had a chance against the bigger teams because the, the guards weren't going to be used to being pressed for 40 minutes. So, again, it's finding that niche and then being elite at it. And then um, get your kind of guys. So I like that yeah. one a lot. Different coaches have different personalities. But I think that's what makes Pat Kelsey so successful. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's what made Greg Marshall successful. The guys that played successfully for Greg, the guys that played successfully for Pat, there might have been some mixing in the Venn Mm -hmm. diagram, but they win in different ways and they coach in different ways. And that's okay. The guy that played for Bob McKillop maybe would not have been great for Bob Huggins. They're both Hall of Fame coaches, but... Bob McKillop pretty consistently brought guys that fit what he did. Right. And Bob Huggins pretty consistently yeah. brings guys that he has. Right. Be elite at something. And we saw this uh, in the Chandler Vodron uh, Winthrop teams. Um, not so much Chandler Vodron in this case, but you know, very good at shooting threes. 
you know, they, they kind of ran that, you know, hockey style line change, um, you know, you know, three to the. How about last year in the final four, the teams, almost all of them were playing like five, six, yeah. maybe seven guys this year in the final four. These are like four of the deepest teams yeah. in the country. Like it, it's kind of that there's no one way to skin a cat, right. but whatever it is you do, you better do it at a high level. Right. And shooting threes is uh, another example. And then this is uh, kind of the one that also makes sense. Um, for shooting teams, you got to hit your threes. So in, in number five is play the game of your life. And you got to be able to do it, you know, if you want to win it all as a, as a low, low level team or mid level team. You got to do it yeah, six times. Yeah, I mean, that, that one's obvious. But let yeah. me push on this a little bit. Do you think there is a style that is more repeatable than another? As in, you're designing a college basketball team. You're going to go out and recruit. You're going to recruit your players. And you're going to try to be elite at something. But is there something you can do that is more repetitive and more likely to produce that a effort when the money's on the line i think that's where the niche comes in i mean i I think if if you know you're always doing backdoor cuts or if you're doing you know like uh merrimax joe gallows if you're doing that type of two three zone or you know the amoeba zone that winthrop had i mean if you're i think those are the kind of things that are repeatable to me shooting can be a little bit difficult because if i mean when you're a three-point shooting team that relies on 10 11 12 threes a game there are gonna be games where you just can't hit and so how do you win those games? So that maybe it's like the secondary thing that you're good at has to take over. But um, I, I think that I think it's funny because I, these all kind of blend in with each other. They right? do. I mean, play the game of your life. Well, the, you got to be elite at what you want to do, be elite at something, and then be able to repeat that over time. Yeah. It's just it's interesting to me. Like if you're going to beat teams with a three pointer. You're going to shoot 43s a game. You're going to try to make whatever, 35 or 38 or 40% of them. At some point, you're going to run into a team from a bigger conference that's going to have a better chance of running you off the line and kind of just has more defenders, bigger defenders, things like that. If you are going to try to win by bullying people, you have to get guys that are physical and big enough to bully people. But what of those is the easiest thing to do? I I don't know. Like, I think the idea of being deep theoretical is easy to do, but how do you keep that many guys happy? And how do you stay healthy? And if everyone's playing 21 minutes a game, how do you keep it from someone saying, I'm leading the team in scoring. Why am I not right, playing right. 30 minutes yeah. a game? So I don't know that there's one easy method. To no, some of it, it just it just it it's organic and it just develops over a season. And that's why I think teams, even teams that bring back a lot of the same players, sometimes still have a different rhythm. I mean, it's you can't re- replicate identical year after year. But I think you can maybe find that organic thing that that gets you get you um, over the hump. And I, and I think sometimes it's the other way around. Like when you look at, what do at- you think about doing something that teams don't see as in uh Bayheim zone was like, once they got in the ACC, it was kind of effective, but not that effective. But then they would get in the tournament and mm-hmm. play teams that hadn't seen the right. zone. Pressing right. is also really similar to that. Teams don't see that VCU yeah. style pressure right. a lot. Like, are there things like that that are worth, looking into uh, absolutely i mean especially if you're if you're a team that's consistently coming up short or 
if you're if you're good but not great. I mean, it's a little bit like Army and Navy and football. Yeah, that was, that was the thought that was in my head, like that, that kind of wishbone veer. But what do you think if you option. are a pretty good team in a lesser conference? It could be at Winthrop's level, but it also could be at you know the Con USA level or something like that. I mean, we have we have a conference USA. Well, look, team. just look at FDU. I mean, they lost to Hartford, a team that was transitioning to Division three. FDU is going to go down as one of the all-time. Yeah. I mean, defensively, they were one of the worst teams yeah. in the country all year long, right up until making the NCAA tournament <laughs> right. and beating Purdue. I mean, that that was yeah. that was crazy. I wonder if that, to some degree, was more about Purdue could be than FDU could be. Yeah, hundred percent. But the teams that are winning multiple NCAA tournament games, like at that point, it's not a flu, right? right? I mean, maybe it's still small. Well, you're catching size. fire, right? But it's it's but you know, it, again, it's experience. It's it's guys that trust each other and you know it's, it's very much cliche but you hear it in every sport but you know when you have whatever it's five guys in basketball you know 11 guys on the football field but when you have everybody rowing in the same direction on page making plays believing in themselves those are the toughest teams to beat this is the bearded carcass that's mike pacheco that's i'm me. dave friedman before we call it a day do you want to talk about anything whether it be the start of baseball season or the NFL free agency, or uh, we get ready for the NHL and NBA playoffs, so you're pretty much set on everything. Baseball opening day is Baseball this week. opening day is this week. Yeah, and uh, for the AAA people out there, the uh, Charlotte Knights will uh, open up on Friday night and uh, earliest that the minor league season has ever opened up. Any thoughts on whether it be baseball broadly? I mean, the World Baseball Classic feels like it had a moment there it did it did and it's interesting because it's a different um it's completely different stylistically from um what you'll see in MLB partially now because uh the you know the rule, the rule changes weren't in effect the the speed up the game initiatives weren't in the rule for the WBC but also kind of that national uh, playing for your uh, your country and the, some of the atmospheres. The TV that we ratings are like terrific. Japan yeah, they great. Yeah. yeah, and those games are you know. Were were the fun. ratings here good? Um, you know, it, it was mixed. From um, I think the ratings were good, but just and again, it's anecdotal. But like my buddy Fitz, you know, he loved it. I mean, he was watching every single game. Uh, there were other people that I know that are baseball fans that were like, eh, it's great. Um, I mean, none of the good American pitchers participated, right? Um. Right. I mean, you still had, uh, I mean, well, I mean, you had the, the signature moment with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani at the end. Right. Uh, but that's not an American but pitcher. No, that's not. An I, American I don't. Pitcher. I mean, I didn't watch. Any no, no, effort, I know what you're saying. But right. I, I mean, like in order for it to be a World Cup. Yeah. You have to have the best players. Yeah. And my understanding was the Americans had their best hitters, yeah. but did not have their best arms. I think that might be right. Is yeah. that because teams told them the season's coming up, it's a long season, don't play? Or did pitchers themselves decide not to participate? That's a great question. And if this was a congressional hearing, I would say, I'll get back to you on that. Sunday. Yeah, right. I mean, wouldn't it, would it be better off to be played at a different time or is any time going to cause problems? I know. I mean, when are you going to play it? I mean, if you're playing it right at the end of like, because at one time. How long does it take to do? Uh, I don't know, about two weeks, two, three weeks. I mean, it's not that. I mean, I think this is actually probably the best time to do it because with spring training, guys are, um, Who runs it? Does Major League Baseball I, have a piece of it? Probably. I, I, I if Major League Baseball, has I'll have a to piece get back to you on it, that, Senator. Why don't they do the same thing the Olympics and the NHL do? 
play it, play it at the All Star break, and give everyone two weeks to go. Do but it. you can't, you can't, you can't do that. Well, if it's worth a whole bunch of money, you can do no, it. No, but I think that's why this model works, is because. But I don't know if it works if America doesn't send its pitchers. Well, it's still a billion dollar sport. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Uh, but you know, spring training, you're, you're ramping guys up. Um, and, and at it, the end of the season, it's too late, right? Or could you do it at the end of the season? Well, the problem at the end of the season is guys uh, have just played 162 yeah, plus and, the entire and like, playoffs, and now and it's November. Hurt or like it's 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 it's. I don't know if there's a, a perfect scenario, but I think this works best because guys are still ramping up for the regular season, so you can still. It's. I would. I would say it's better to be kind of give more of a max effort in an event like that now than you would in November when. I like the idea of exploring. Make the baseball season. I mean, it would only be one every four years, right? Yeah. Make make the season shorter that one every four years, and give everyone else time off. Everyone loves time off. No one wants to play that many games. Pay the guys a whole bunch of dough yeah. and play it around the All Star break. All right, let's do it. Okay. Sounds good. Who should we call on? Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. I'm not going to watch baseball season, but I am very interested in the anecdotal information about the rule changes. And I think that they've given themselves a real chance to to change kind of long-seated problems. I mean, my issue has been for the last several years— there's no action of the game. It seems like there's going to be more action. The time of the game seems like it's going to go down dramatically. The pace of the game is going to improve. It seems to me they're doing really, really good things. Now it's just a personal problem that my favorite team is isn't, isn't any complete. Good. And well, well, it's not that they're not any good. It's that they've been left in limbo. Right. Like they don't know where they're playing, right. and they're not spending any money because they don't know where they're right. playing. Right. And it's just a you know. It's come to a head. Yeah, I just think anecdotally, what we saw last year, uh, when these most of these rules were in effect at the yep. AAA level, is that in the action was sped up, and so um, you didn't have all that downtime of a guy adjusting his batting gloves, you know, throwing a baseball up into the crowd to a girl with his phone number on it to get. I mean, it was you know, kind of bang, 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 and I noticed. Again, anecdotally, because I can't research it or, or put a statistic on it, but just visually seeing, there was less of people picking up their phone and just kind of casually looking on their phone. I mean, people were kind of dialed into the game. Yeah, and if you want to get your beers before beer sales close at the seventh right. inning, you better yeah. you better do it yeah. because well, seventh inning comes sooner. I don't know what they're going to do in the big leagues. Um, I think time of game, there was more, because you know, the seventh inning beer thing isn't a hard and fast rule. Um, so I think... There were times where keep selling until the eighth. I, well, I'm not saying that far, but <laughs> I, I think there were times where things may have been adjusted a little bit. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But it was fun. I, I think it's going to be good for the. I think it's going to be good for the sport. Really, my good for my the biggest sport. concern though is, and you and I have talked about this, is um, the the kids that don't have an opportunity to play baseball, uh, whether it's because the leagues are all getting. Um, cannibalized by the the baseball academies and and i have nothing look i think because we have some friends that have gone that route and it's, and it's you know it's been really good for them um but my concern is there's a a generation another generation of kids maybe a bigger number than the generation before that didn't at least play baseball up until 12 or 13 or 14 years old and so um now look our age and up the numbers are terrific but 
is is a is you know some twenty two year old graduated from college? Is he going to go to a Braves uh, game me, or is he going to go to a club? You know this I, mean? Like, is, I mean, we've talked about this before, but it's an interesting question. You know, I'm a horse racing fan. For years, people have said the only horse racing fans are these old people and when these old people die there are going to be no horse racing fans left and what happens is new middle-aged people become old people who are retired and have a bunch of extra dough and they become horse racing fans so when john how old is john he is 16 okay but he is a baseball fan like he played baseball. okay then he's a bad example yeah but if you but a bunch of his friends don't play baseball, right? And they don't watch. So will eventually they be baseball fans, or has baseball just missed out on them? And if they're not watching, but baseball, baseball to me is uh, like horse racing. I mean, the, the casual horse racing fan probably makes up a, a bigger percentage of the the diehard, and 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 your time and your investment level is different, right? Like so. Like, let's say we're going to California in May. Let's say we pick a day and go to Santa Anita. I'll enjoy doing that for a day, and we'll go probably go to Dodger Stadium and see a game there. Um, but uh, I just don't know that um, outside of they, – they need to be more of a niche. And I think horse racing is fun, and it's on TV a couple times a year for, for the casual person. Obviously, uh, you know, Oak driving around and listening to the horse racing channel and hearing you. Right. I mean, that's, you know – what but, about the upset in yesterday's Sunland Derby? Yeah. Ken Tohill has been a jockey since 1979, 60 years old. His first graded stakes win. Wow. Unbelievable. Wow. Did you? Can we get like an autograph program from that or something? Or I mean, I his, better, his colors? I'm going to think it's going to be real inexpensive yeah. to do that. <laughs> but, but, but here's the other problem, right? Look at, and this is kind of a decline in, in TV viewership over the, over the air TV and cable TV. So that's a di- separate problem, but I think it's meshed in, is you know, you're starting to see some of these regional um, uh, sports networks starting to have issues. And I think it's going back to, um, yes, I think our generation and the one right behind us can maybe pick up the slack a little bit, but if the 18 to 34 year olds aren't tuning in, I, that concerns me. If a you lot. look in a crystal ball, let's call it next generation. So let's say 25 years from now, has something changed in terms of the NFL is number one, number two, and number three, right? In in what people mm-hmm. like. And number two is either the NBA, NBA. or college football. Right. College football yeah. ratings are, are huge. Yep. People love college football. And then it's it's a lot less for anything else. Soccer. Well, then it becomes regional. It becomes, you know, if you're a, a Red Sox fan or you're a Cincinnati Reds fan or you're, you know, the, the regional. Uh, where you what have, will it look like in 25 years? I have no idea. Well, nobody's addressing what I'm talking about, so I I I'm, I fear to. If I'm right, um, it'll be just the. I think where you grew up will have an influence, right? Like, so if you're in a, a major league market and they're competitive, uh, but I think if you're in pockets where there's no major league baseball teams, I, I don't know if there's going to be that much interest at all. Remember that conversation we had a few months ago, and I said the Angels, no one wants to buy yeah. them. No one wants to buy the Washington Nationals yeah. either. Yeah. I mean, and again, they're enormous investments and they're very, very expensive. But these teams have been on the market for a long time. No one is there. Well, it's interesting. There was an article and I'd have to go back and look at it. It was yesterday and and talking about how, um, you know, the the values have gone up. I mean, Artie Moreno probably bought the Angels for like 400 million and they're probably worth somewhere between one and two billion dollars. 
He took it off the market because nobody was giving him the price he wanted. Right. No question. Um, so, um, you know, I think what's going to be interesting, though, is the juxtaposition between that and what the, the if the commanders, uh, Washington commanders end up selling, what well, that's going to be. They're getting sold. For. Yeah. I no, mean, but what the, no NFL teams go on the market that don't get sold. No, but, but what I'm saying is the, but the difference in, you can't get you know 1.22 billion for that and the 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 commanders even with the name change there's still history of Washington's football team i don't know 7 4 5 6 7 million billion in that i mean right i mean you and i've talked about this before too and, and i'm not making an apples to apples comparison but if you said what would you like to own you know a very small percentage of an NFL team or a somewhat larger percentage of a baseball team i don't think anyone would choose the baseball team but what about the soccer team would you mm. rather own a it would be a larger piece of a soccer team because soccer is not valued as high as baseball is now or that smaller piece of the baseball team i, I think soccer is growing more and there are more young people excited about it i think it's the, the exact demo you were just talking about of John's friends who didn't grow up playing baseball, some of those kids either played or watched soccer. If you told me 10 years ago that the first ever MLS game of the, the Charlotte FC would draw 74,000 people, I would have laughed at you. What What are they drawing now? Because I think it's still pretty good, No, right? I mean, I think they still got over 65,000 for this year's opener. I mean, they didn't quite. They were trying to get the sellout again. They didn't. I mean, but even if they're only drawing, and oh, heck, I, even if, I mean, well, if they're drawing twenty five thousand people a game, that's more terrific. than the Hornets get. Right. Right. Yeah. Soccer is outdrawing the NBA. Now, yeah. understandably, the NBA arenas are smaller than than the Panthers stadium, right. but right. I, I mean, well, I think eventually you would prefer. Uh, I, I think the in the long term interest of the team, I think you'd probably prefer to have them in their own. No question. You know, you know, maybe thirty. I think you have to be careful though. I don't think you go too big, but. I mean, I'd rather have twenty seven, twenty eight, thirty thousand on a sellout than have a bunch I, but, of games. But and let's see how. The, I mean, look, Charlotte is a lot of it is the number of games too. They only play maybe twenty home games. Well, and, but Charlotte also has a reputation of, um, you know, when you're the new hot shiny thing, everybody comes out and then no like, question. So I mean, that, that's what happened with the Knights. Yeah. The Knights Stadium is fantastic, and early on, it was an experience. It was cool. The stadium is still awesome, but the luster, to some degree, is worn out. It's not new anymore. No, but they we're still uh, the Knights are still holding holding their own as compared to the top teams in the rest. But of the But they league. might be the biggest city that has AAA baseball. I mean, they should well, draw and the really most competition. Well. The most competition, right? Like, like um, you know, now that FC is here, that's draining resources. Now, yeah. when, when the Hornets are better, that's still a little bit of a draw in the in April. Uh, like, I don't think we have to worry about that. And I will say this. In the early years, uh, there was one night where, I don't know, 2016, 2015, somewhere around there, where the Hornets actually did make the playoffs. I think it was pole night up at uh, the Speedway. And we had we, it was like a Thursday night or a Wednesday or Thursday night. We had a sellout. The other two places had really good. Yeah, so it's doable. Yeah. It's doable. But in 25 years, if you're a city, and I, I don't have the city off the top of my head, that does not currently have Major League Baseball or MLS, if in 25 years I put those two entities in at the exact same time, which one does better? I, I'm not sure we know what the answer is. No, we is. don't. I, I think it's too far. It's too far. I mean, I, I would think the incremental growth that 
soccer has had in this country, it's been slow. Because um, I remember in the seventies, people were talking about you right. know, you know, everyone's playing soccer, and and yep. it, you know, it, it's taken MLS, you know, thirty forty years no, to get, absolutely. I mean, you know, the the MLS got three hundred million dollars from David Tepper, and I think the the teams they're adding now are paying even more than that. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. And it's, if there's an expansion baseball team, I don't know if baseball is planning on expanding. My guess is they would get three times that, right? At this juncture. I just don't know if that's going to be the case in Can you say that? 20 though? years. If you if you can't get $2 billion for, for the Angels, are you going to get for an expansion? I don't know. It's a good point because the new team's not going to be in Los Angeles, even though that's Orange County and it's not really Los Angeles. Well, and okay, but let's say you, you even go to Charlotte or, or Portland or they're talking about maybe even going back to Montreal. Like, who, like who in Charlotte is gonna is gonna put up a billion dollars for a baseball team? Well, it doesn't have to be someone in Charlotte. It can be someone anywhere that owns no, but but a I think you would rather have somebody local in yeah, place. Yeah, sure. That or, would or, be okay, or who's but, gonna... but you make a good point. If the Angels can't get two billion, what is an expansion team that has no history? The A's, the A's, and the Rays can't get a stadium deal. Right, and my understanding, and, and I've paid a decent amount of attention to this, is Las Vegas has the door open, but they're not like actively like saying, we're going to build you a stadium. They're merely saying the door is open. If you would like to come here and build a stadium, stadium, go right ahead. We'll find some land for you. Right. But like, isn't that amazing forever? There was posturing about Vegas and the NFL. Well, some of that also has to do with the fact that the the appetite for public funding of um, stadiums is not nearly what it was 20 years ago. And and again, the scale of the stadiums, but in the NFL, Pretty much outside of California, everybody gets what they want. Well, to maybe not what they want, but they get something. Something and and sometimes pretty, better than it's a better deal than they should. I mean, or you would Minnesota that, yeah, talked about moving, and basically the city caved in and gave yeah. them what they wanted. And there are three or four or five examples like that. Now it should be a public-private partnership. I, I get all of that, but Vegas basically built the Raiders a stadium. Yeah. yeah. And the same city is seemingly unwilling to do that for baseball. Well, I mean, and I haven't investigated. They, they, the, they build a hockey stadium, yeah, and they build a football right. stadium. And baseball, they're kind of like, yeah. I mean, if you'd like to come, that, but, but, be great. but that could also be a function of we've already ta- we're tapped out True. after doing True. these two. And, and you know, a hockey stadium, you can you uh, use it for a lot. Of you can use a lot, a lot of things, and it's. Half two thirds of the cost. It's not quite as expensive. Yeah. It, it, like let's face it. If you put a thirty-five to forty thousand seat baseball stadium in Vegas, it's got to be a domed roof. No question. So that adds that adds cost as well. Okay. The Bearded Carcast. That's it. Listener supported Bearded Carcast. If hey, you'd we, like to did we publicly support time? and fund, uh, yeah, we were recording this. Great. Time. Okay. I made sure to record like the mic checks just to make sure that okay. we had it going on. Yeah. Great. Right. Next time you can record. <laughs> 